Good morning and welcome to Autism Live. I'm Shannon Penrod and we're coming to you live from my house. Uh, actually, we're coming to you live from several different locations and we want to do a big shout out to our producer, Traven Hardy, who is making this all work and you even got to see some of the opener. Um, if that doesn't make us force us to do a new opener, then I don't know what would. <laughs> like we're still showing the opener uh, from so long ago when my hair was a different color and I weighed a different amount and it was a, an entirely different era, right? But it uh, doesn't matter. We're rewriting the rule book every single day here, all of us together, right? Si se puede, we can do this. So I want to welcome you to this live show. We're going to be with you, uh, internet willing, for the next hour live, talking about autism from a 360-degree perspective. And of course, because it's Wednesday, my favorite day, we have our favorite guest, Dr. Doreen Grampichet is here for Ask Dr. Doreen. And in just a second, she's going to be helping us to answer your questions live here on the show. So you guys can be writing in. Now, normally, Traven cycles through a whole bunch of different uh, websites and shows you, but we've kind of streamlined it. So we want to take just a second and show you all the different ways that you can connect to Autism Live. I don't want you to forget that our homepage is autism-live.com. And when you go there, there are lots of things that you can do. We've got almost nine years of videos backlogged for you. It's a library of experts answering questions about a wide variety of different things. I would venture that almost any question that you had before COVID was there. Now, new rule book, right? Um, so there might be questions, I, I would assume that there are questions that you have with this new rule book. That is why we have expanded our live programming. We have more experts than ever here on the show. And who better than Dr. Doreen Grampichet? And she is here with us right now. So uh, I don't, we haven't been able to show you, or at least that I can see, but we're going to show you that graphic with all the different ways that you can connect. But autism-live.com, great way. Facebook, a great way to connect with us. YouTube. But um, if you're looking to watch later on when we're not live, lots of different ways that you can watch too. Uh, we're on iTunes, we're on iHeartRadio, we're on Deezer. Still don't know what that is. Somebody needs to tell me what that is. Uh, I keep saying I'm a geezer. I don't know what Deezer is. Uh, it's getting old. Somebody's got to explain it to me. But um, lots of different ways to watch us, whether you want to watch us live or recorded. So I hope that you will participate. We look forward to hearing from you. I do think that that makes... That's the most fun for us is when we're talking to you guys live. So I want to take this uh, opportunity right now to welcome to for Ask Dr. Doreen. I don't think we're going to play the Ask Dr. Doreen opener, but Dr. Doreen, I know that you're here. If you want to uh, start your microphone and you're there, she is and looking lovely this fine Hello. morning. Hello and good morning. Good morning How are Dana. you? I'm well, thanks. How are you? Good. Uh, we've, we've got just a little bit of an internet lag here, so um, we're going to see if we can't tighten that up, but uh, thrilled that you are here. And um, for people who don't know you, you are really an expert in the field of autism. I believe the preeminent expert in the field uh, in our time, in any time. You've been working in this field for way longer than you should admit. Uh, I've, I've Forty, uh, yeah, forty, more than forty years, right? Forty-two years. Crazy. 
Yeah. Crazy <laughs> amount of time. Working. <laughs> so such, uh, we're getting quite a lag. Uh, so Traven, do everything that you can to tighten up our lag. Um, but um, we are going to have you answering questions. We do want to make sure that everybody gets the disclaimer that there is no expert in any field who could give individual specific advice in this particular format. But we do encourage you to be writing in your questions right now to us. Um, and we will take as many of them as we can live. Now, of course, I've moved things around on my desktop. I want to start with a question that came in this morning. Uh, the question is, I have a 25-year-old son on the spectrum living at home with me. He's barely getting by in his community with the help of his ABA aides, who I pay through, uh, through an FMS under his self-determination program, because this is a, a person in the state of California. And in California, some of our folks do have self-determination uh, right now. She says that two days ago, our BCBA supervisor, who was billing us $6,000 per month for 51 hours of supervision, notified us she was doubling her rates. I cannot afford that because my son's annual budget is fixed. Can you help? And she did specify that she is in the state of California. Now, Dr. Grampuchet, we live in interesting times. Um, and, and for this person, this is a very interesting setup that is unlike most other people um, because they do have that self-determination. Um, but this seems highly irregular to me. And this doubling of the price overnight, talk to me, talk to us. Yeah. Let us know what you think about this. Yeah. Um, Shannon, can you hear me okay? Is the lag just on the video or also on the sound? No, the lag seems to be just on the video, uh, but if at any point that we feel like this isn't working, have you got your phone by you? What I can do is call you. Okay. Yeah, I am on my phone. Actually, I'm using my phone. I'm not using the computer sound. Okay. Um, oh, I see. So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, what I was going to say is that it, this, this does seem very unusual because uh, well, first of all, you, that $6,000 per month for 51 hours essentially means that uh, you are paying your supervisor, the BCBA, somewhere around $117 an hour, which to begin with is high. And uh, if that, and now if the individual is doubling, that is ridiculous and is just not uh, ethical, I think. So um, I would say that uh, you should definitely try to find another BCBA. Uh, they're not going to charge you that high. And secondly, uh, I don't know if 51 hours of supervision in a month seems extremely high to me. So um, I don't know why you would need 51 hours uh, in a month. That just seems really, really high, especially if you have aides who are working with your son. Um, I, you probably, if you have aides and the aides are trained well, I, don't, I can't see you needing more than, let's say, a maximum of 15, 16 hours a month of supervision. That's absolutely the maximum. Yeah. And especially, you know, 
the self-determination thing, for those of you who don't know, here in the state of California, we're moving towards a system in, we have uh, what we call the regional centers. And this is really an amazing thing that allowed so much uh, of ABA to proliferate in California throughout um, the 90s and the aughts. It's how my son was able to get therapy because there was no insurance funding, right? And the regional center has been charged here in California with making sure that individuals who have different abilities um, get resources and have access to the things that will help them. So that is how a lot of us were paying for our ABA before insurance. And right as insurance started to pay for it, it was it was a godsend because the regional center, there were so many kids who needed it. The state of California was going bankrupt because there was no way to fund everybody, right? So it was desperately needed that insurance. Um, but um, the regional center still wanted to be supporting and there were, there were outside services that the regional center would help to pay for. And in some places they were paying for co-pays for a period of time. Um, but they're moving to a model about self-determination. If you're in the state of California, we did a great show with one of the two of the leaders of the self-determination program from the regional center. And you can watch that in our archives if you want to know more about it. But we're quickly moving to a point where the client gets to choose how they want to spend their money. So there's a, a, a set allotment of money for them. And they get to say, well, what I really want to do, I need somebody to help me, especially for our older clients. I need someone to help me to, to learn how to ride a bus to get to my job. I need, you know, and so there were different sets of services and you could use it for ABA or you could use it for occupational skills or, you know, so many other things. Um, but it, it's, it's very interesting that this, if for this person who lives in California, I would think almost everybody in California has insurance funding. Either you have it through that you can get it through the exchange, or if you have it through your employer, or you might be eligible for Medi-Cal if you don't have an employer. And it seems like to me that maybe if this parent were to get Medi-Cal, then she wouldn't have to be paying anything out of pocket. Is that how you see yeah, it too, Dr. Grampiche? I, I, I do, but I see a lot of our patients who are older because in California, of course, the, uh, they used to be supported through the regional center system. And a lot of those individuals are not necessarily then referred or transferred directly to insurance. Mm -hmm. And they tend to go to other forms of funding, which might be the case here. Okay. Well, definitely um, things for this parent um, to look into. I'm concerned because it keeps giving us a message that our internet is uh, struggling to, and I don't know whether that's on my end or Traven's end or, or whose end, um, but I wanted to take just a quick second, Dr. Grampiche, and remind everybody you can be sending us in your questions and Traven be, it will send those over to me, but um, We've been in a conversation with the folks over at Skills, and they're letting us know that they have made um, some more training available for parents. There is some free training on IBT, which is the Institute for Behavioral Training, and they especially have a new program um, that is uh, they're going to be starting that is just about supporting parents at home. Um, and so, uh, they wanted you to know that you can go over to ibehavioraltraining.com 
to find out more about those services. And they're, they're going to be putting out regular lessons on a daily basis to help support parents with what they're doing at home. And they've also uh, discounted the skills program, which we talk a lot here on the show with Dr. Grampuche about. So you can go to skillsforautism.com um, and find out, um, ask for the, you know, the discount, like a lot of um, people, they're, they're giving great discounts for p- parents who are affected by COVID, uh, COVID-19, and um, making it possible for them to, to continue um, to give resources as well. Now, Dr. Grampuche, we're, you know, people are on different timelines with, um, with their seclusion. I remember thinking last week when everybody was making the big effort to get people at home and to get services set up at home, it was very hectic. It was very, very stressful. And I remember thinking last week, well, next week is going to be so much better. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like once we all get settled in, it's going to be so much better. Um, But what I'm hearing from parents is that now that the the, the work of figuring out, okay, how do we get home? Whether, whether you're working from home or not working from home, whether you're having therapy at home, not having therapy at home, like all of that was being decided last week. And so now the fear and anxiety and panic in some cases is settling in. Um, and so overwhelmingly what I have been hearing from parents right now is um, that they're like in this moment in time, they're just trying to manage their anxiety. And I wondered, as somebody who is a visionary, as somebody who is a leader, as somebody who has helped us through so many different things that have happened with autism, if you have anything that you want to say to the families at home about this next period of time that we're facing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I uh, will probably have a lot to say about it. I, I do kind of want to, I, I assume that a lot of the families, uh, whether or not they're with CARD, are probably experiencing something similar to what our families at CARD are experiencing. So um, I'll, I'll maybe talk a little bit about that, and uh, then I can talk a little bit more about some of the things that you can do yourselves to help with what's going on in your lives right now. Um, so, you know, at CARD last week, you're right, Shannon, we spent a lot of the week just contacting our families. And I think we still are this week. Uh, we have a lot of families, as you can imagine, um, over 6,000. And we're contacting each one uh, to see what they would like to do. Uh, what has The way that we're processing it is that we're um, basically talking to the families and saying, okay, what are your needs right now? Um, can we support you? What, would you like to get your therapy still? Would you like to get supervision, parent training, all these services that we offer? And if the family is open to it, and if the state allows it, we then go to their provider and uh, their, their payer, I'm sorry, so their insurance company or whoever else is paying for their services. And we've, the, the progress that we made over the last week was that we were able to get almost entirely, almost 100% of our payers, our insurance companies are saying, go ahead, uh, provide the services uh, however you can uh, provide them, including telehealth. 
um, when it comes to uh, both supervision and parent training. And about 30% or so of our payers have also said, go ahead and do telehealth therapy if you need to as well. So one-to-one therapy with the children via uh, telehealth. So what we've done is we're in the process of transitioning as many of our patients as, they, as, as we can and as the families want to a sort of online telehealth mode of communication with the supervisors, um, the BCBAs, the folks who will be doing parent training and teaching our families kind of how to manage things, as well as uh, trying to develop programs. And this is, I, I think, a lot of our emphasis this week is on developing programs that the therapists, our behavior techs, can actually do via telehealth. Um, I will say that the bulk of our services still to this week are in-home services. Uh, We did uh, close down temporarily all of our sites and we're providing therapy in-home to our patients. Uh, 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 The majority of our services being provided by far are still in-home, which in itself is incredible. Uh, I mean, first of all, legally we're allowed to because a lot of the uh, shelter-in-place or shelter-at-home regulations that are passing allow and very specifically uh, require uh, ABA providers to be uh, exempt. So essentially, uh, because we are healthcare providers, because this service is medically necessary, Uh, We are funded and allowed to continue in cities where there's a shelter regulation in place where we're required to continue just like first responders and uh, do our very best to provide services to our patients in their homes. Um, So we're doing that. We have a lot of behavior technicians, therapists who are willing to continue doing that. We're They are, I think I refer to them as card heroes because they truly are. Um, And for them, we are developing tons and tons of programs so that the day that we're not allowed or if if, if the regulations become more strict and in certain locations we find it impossible to work in the homes, then we will start providing more and more telehealth services, um, even through our BTs, through our behavior techs. Now, I think in, you know, the reason that we're doing all of this is a few different things. Obviously, from our perspective, we work very hard to make sure that the patients, the children, um, do not lose their skills. Um, So, you know, we've worked all year long to teach these skills and uh, change challenging behaviors. And this is probably a time where, um, you know, we have to do everything we can to try to maintain those positive skills and try to maintain all the uh, things that our, that our patients have learned. So families, uh, I imagine, Shannon, are going through some difficult times right now for, because potentially the, their children Um, are starting to exhibit challenging behaviors maybe that were under control before and uh, they're very difficult to control because their ABA therapy has reduced. 
So, you know, some of the, the thoughts that I have around this, first of all, um, I think for any family who is able to, uh, you need to look at this uh, as an opportunity. This time that you have at home with your children, with your child uh, on the spectrum, is an opportunity for learning. And I know it's it's very hard. I mean, you know, I, I'm supposed to be at this point, Shannon, sort of sad and... Uh, you know, having a lot of free time, but I, but yeah, I laugh too because I probably have never worked so hard in my life. Uh, I think the last email I sent last night was at one thirty in the morning. So, and I start very early every day uh, to try to help the, the leadership at CARD. But having said that, um, I know families are very busy in, in your homes. There are several things you can do right now. Um, first of all, you should definitely try to set a routine for your child. Um, and the routine should not be just based on one parent's availability. The routine should kind of pull in all family members if possible, uh, because we want to make sure you survive as well. So, uh, you know, let's assume you have a family of, you have one child on the spectrum and maybe two other children uh, who are not on the spectrum, who might be older, younger, whatever it is. Um, what I recommend is that you maybe uh, try to have, let's say, a period of time during the day where you are doing uh, some exercises or sports or physical activity for all of the children. Uh, it could be anything. It could be dancing. It could be uh, just, you know, floor exercises. It could be running in the backyard, whatever it is. Um, and then you also have a period of time where the other children are probably still doing some academic work. So I think it might be a good idea to print online uh, maybe some educational uh, worksheets that you can easily find um, for your child on the spectrum. And those will help maintain some of the academic skills if your child, if you're concerned about losing those skills. Uh, you also can uh, find online a lot of other educational types of activities. There's lots and lots of apps as well as uh, places online like social gatherings online uh, for children who need the social contact. Uh, there are apps that will help your child work on whatever they were working on in their program uh, through ABA. So you need to schedule, let's say, uh, an hour right after the workout uh, for your child to be doing educational types of activities online. Uh, after that, I would probably try to schedule maybe some crafts or uh, maybe some cooking or some types of things that you can do, adaptive skills that you can do at home um, so that your child gets a really nice routine going and uh, make sure that you are pulling in other family members to assist so that you occasionally will have a little bit of time yourself. Now, the reason for that, obviously, we all need to have a little time ourselves, but also because I really feel like this is the time where parents would significantly benefit from, as you said, as an example, uh, all the parent training that is available on IBT. Institute for Behavior Training, and other resources as well. This is the time where you can be trained to be the best therapist for your child. 
and uh, I would really try to take advantage of that right now because it, the more training you receive, the easier it will be to manage things. And uh, again, going back to the routine, I think setting a routine is probably the best way to control anxieties because, you know, it's all really about knowing what comes next. And that helps our kids with their anxieties. Now, another comment. Sorry, Shannon, am I going on too long? No, 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 no you're fine. Uh, but I do have some questions when, you, when I thought you were taking a pause, but you go right ahead. What you have to say is more important than anything I ever thought. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Not at all. So but what I was going to say is that, you know, the one of the things I think that's important is that this is not a normal situation we're in. This is a emergency situation. And in emergency situations like this, our goals have to change. So you, we, nobody should really have a goal right now that their child is going to be acquiring new skills, uh, at least not at the same rate that they were before. Because really what happens in a time like this is that you just want to maintain sort of the things that have been learned before. If we start right now placing too much demand on our kids, the anxiety will increase, the challenging behaviors will increase, everything will sort of like blow up. And this is not the right time because it's not a controlled environment. Our kids are already anxious because their routines have changed. They don't have access to their therapist. They have much less access to the folks that they would work with every day. Their their OTs, their speech, their uh, all their all the all the instruction, right? And so you definitely want to increase their reinforcers and decrease the demands. So in other words, you know, pick your battles new now. A whole set of new things like. You know, is it really, really important to worry about something like, oh, my child spent two hours watching TV yesterday? Under normal circumstances, I would say, yes, you want to probably reduce that. But under these circumstances, I don't think that's something you need to really worry about. So every family is different. But what I'm basically saying is reduce the expectations you have right now and increase the, the rewards because uh, we all kind of need that. Okay. And so what I get from that is that what and I started the show by saying we're throwing away the old rule book, um, that we really need to pick our battles yeah. here and that everybody needs extra comfort time and extra reinforcers, which is kind of gonna, kind of right. gonna go into what um, my next question is that, uh, let's see if I can bring up the actual wording of it here. Um, that we've got one of our viewers who says, we love our card family. Uh, my little is, is home doing therapy, therapy right now. But she says, I wish my spouse was, was more supportive. I am the only care. Tough that he is here, but not really helping. And, and we've been hearing this from a lot of our um, parents that, you know, there's when we're lucky enough that there are two parents in the home and everybody is home now that uh, we're starting to see where some of the cracks in our foundation were, Dr. Grampichet, that maybe one of the, and I don't want to always assume that it's a dad, but a lot of times it's the dad who has been out working really hard and letting mom be the project manager for autism. But now that we're home, everybody's sort of seeing the disparity how can we get the dads, how can we utilize this opportunity and get the dads even a smidge more 
um, involved in, in what our kids are doing? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think normally, I think there's two aspects to that. One is that, as you said, they, the dads, they might not know that, uh, you know, what tasks you would like them to engage in. And then secondly, they might not know how to engage in those tasks. So those are two separate things. Um, you know, one of the things I did when this whole thing hit us uh, beginning of last week, and I realized we really should not be going out um, whenever possible. And I have my uh, husband and my adult kids here, and um, they are all wonderful, wonderful people. And we uh, essentially at the beginning of the week sat down and said, who's going to do what? Like, let's divide the chores. And so I think that is step one where you might need to sit with your spouse and say, these are, make a list of all the things you need to do, not just for your child who's on the spectrum, but I would suggest you make a list of everything you need to do that you didn't have to do before, uh, you know, um, around the house or whatever else it is, because uh, of course we have less access to those who are helping us before. So um, make a full list and sit down with your spouse and maybe if you have older children with them as well and say, who's going to do which task? So it's a matter of knowing how to do the task. And I think that is where, uh, you know, if you ask your husband, let's say, or wife to participate and be part of, let's say, a certain percentage of your child's program, then it becomes very necessary for them to learn some of the basic skills um, of how to do ABA. And as you said, <clears throat> first of all, you have access to IBT. As a card parent, you can have access to as much uh, training as you'd like. We have thousands of lessons on IBT and they are free to you. So as a card parent, you can access anything you'd like to get from IVT. You just have to tell your supervisor. And then secondly, your supervisor, your BCBA, has tons of hours available for parent training. I mean, we are actually asking for more hours of parent training right now from our payers and getting it very, very free. I mean, they are very excited for us to do more parent training. So please take uh, uh, advantage of this opportunity and um, get your husband to receive the parent training. It's, uh, we, can, we do it, it live. Your supervisor would be the one who would be providing all of that training to your husband. And let me tell you, it's, uh, it's a wonderful thing to do right now. Absolutely. I, you know, I think that there's a normal part of this. I'm just getting my camera back up where um, I, I love a friend of mine used to do a presentation where she and her husband would talk about the, the, you know, the, the work of autism, the, the care of autism. And, and it was a very funny presentation that they would do, but they literally, this is where I got the idea of calling it the project manager. They talked about the fact that one person becomes the project manager, but how important it is to bring that other person in. Um, I think that there's a certain amount of, even though, you know, it's 2020, I think we get into these roles um, in our in our existence, whether we have a kid with autism or not, where, you know, the guy maybe takes out the trash or maybe the, the, the woman takes out the trash, but then that becomes their role forever. Like, like you can't rewrite it. <laughs> like we're all stuck in 1954. 
Um, and that it's times like this, when something like this happens, that as Dr. Grampiche says, you know, it can be the thorn in all of our side, or it can be an opportunity to, to learn things, to do things in a different way. And, and I can tell you from firsthand experience that that parent training, um, I, I think a lot of us are so busy that we think, oh, I just don't have time for it. And in fact, CARD has renamed it caregiver collaboration because I think that's a more accurate term for what it is, that it's an opportunity for you to sit with either your BCBA or, or someone high up on your staff and to say, here's the thing that I don't know how to do and have them walk you through it. And we may not have had, we may have thought we didn't have time for it two weeks ago, but we probably have time for it now. And to say to your spouse, hey, um, I need you to do this and, and, and be very appreciative and reward them for it. I got I to gotta be honest with you that I think that the first response is going to be like, no, <laughs> right? Because we all feel a little bit, um, I don't know, there's something about it, Dr. Grampiche, that's humbling. Like, I know that I thought that when my child came out of the womb, that I was supposed to know everything about how to take care of him. And it was very humbling to me when as an autism mom, I didn't know how to, I felt stupid. I felt like these younger, prettier people were smarter than I was, that maybe they were better parents to my child than I was. It was very, very humbling. So I think we just all have to acknowledge that, own it and say, I, you know, this doesn't necessarily feel great to say that I need some help and support with this, but if we can get past that to get to the help, it, we be, we feel better. It's very empowering. And I know at a certain point we had to do that with my husband where I had to be in cahoots <laughs> with my supervisor and, and say to her, I need help because he's not learning it. And it was so frustrating for me. And I didn't want it to be the thing that came between us as a couple. And I said, I need your help. And she said, then you have to help us. You have to not step in every time, Shannon. You have to like be silent sometimes and let him have to. So together we did that. And, and there were times when he would do that, what we now call the caregiver collaboration. And what that resulted in is that I have a husband who has a really good relationship with his son. Um, and that's a, that's a yeah. thing you guys don't want to miss out on. Um, and here we are, we're in that moment in all likelihood, you have the funding for it. You just have to tell your husband, oh no, you know, even if you have to lie and say they're requiring it, <laughs> you, know, you know, like these things. No, absolutely. Okay, I wanna go. Did, did you want to say and, something and about I that or to, I have another question? Yeah. Just, yeah, just one quick uh, final comment on that is that another thing you need to tell your husband is that um, we have actual data we have published on the fact that the children whose parents both are involved more tend to do better overall. They learn faster. They learn more skills. They maintain skills better. They generalize skills better. And so, I mean, that is, if anything, that should be motivation for your, for your spouse to get involved. Wonderful. Uh, a parent says, I have taught my four-year-old to make coffee using the Keurig. Uh, she's his little assistant, uh, which I absolutely love. Uh, uh, and then said, <laughs> isn't that funny? Being home with my little, uh, what reinforces his behavior, since I am home, he is manding his needs to me more because I am home more than normal. What a wonderful, wonderful thing. You see, there are some advantages to this. And if we 
start taking advantage of all the advantages, we will see that there, this is going to end. This is not going to be forever. We all need to keep reminding ourselves of that. But if there are things to be taken advantage of in this time period, man, jump on that. But I love that he's manding more. And, and it's, you know, as you were saying, the research shows very clearly that, um, We've always said that the the three here on the show, we've talked about the three keys to success. One is access to opportunity to be able to do things. And when we are there and giving them more opportunities to mand, right? Um, what a fabulous thing. Having a, uh, a BCBA on your case who's helping to drive in the right direction, which, you know, I hope that all of you have access to that. And if you don't, that you get access to that, but our card parents do. And then the third one is that parent involvement that you were talking about, that it really does make a difference. Okay. I've got a question okay. uh, that came in on the live feature. Um, I have an eight-year-old who is nonverbal with an eight. Now that we have switched to the on at, at home learning, he is yelling whenever the video comes on. Please help. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of parents yeah, are struggling so with, with nonverbal kids that this video um, modeling that the schools are doing is a little on the rough side. Is that the video that they're referring to? Is the, is the, uh, from what the school is providing right now? Yes, that it seems like to me, and if they want to clarify, they can, but I, to me, that's how I'm reading it. Dr. Grampuche. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's unfortunate because the schools are not doing honestly a very good job right now. I think of, kind of getting support and help to our kids on the spectrum. I, uh, you know, we are what's classified as a non-public agency. So uh, we are able to, when a school district cannot provide uh, appropriate services, uh, they will contract with us as one of the providers who can provide related services, ABA. I, I I don't know um, how it is right now. I mean, I do know that districts, all of the districts are going to be receiving their state funding. Usually districts are, uh, your school doesn't get paid unless your child is in school, but due to the current emergency, they will be paid. Um, and so as a result of that, the general guidance that has come down from the Department of Education, and now this is state by state, but I'll I'll quote California. Most of the departments of education are saying that all ABA providers, for example, or speech or OT, um, should try their best to resume services or continue services because in some time in the future, they will be paid for this. So now in your case, you had an aide who is uh, an employee of the school district, I assume. Um, I don't know if, since school is kind of happening, it's, you know, you're getting these videos and so on. If I were you, I would actually try to call for an IEP. Um, I would say I need a virtual IEP to happen because this mode of instruction is not working for my child. And I need additional related services or some other, let them solve it for you. It is their responsibility to offer you more services if this particular type of service is not working. Uh, One of the things they could do is they could increase or they could give you related services, which is ABA, 
And then you would get a behaviorist or a behavioral intervention provider to come to your home. See, as an educational provider like schools, they're not really allowed to be sending aides or teachers to your home because of all of the shelter at home laws. But ABA providers are exempt from those shelter at home laws because we are healthcare providers. So um, if your school funds related services for you, you should be able to get someone who can come to your home and help. But it all starts with asking for an IEP. Wonderful. And we heard from Bonnie Yates on Monday that the schools are still holding IEPs. They're doing them online. You can ask for one. Right. I right. also want I also want to point out that um, at the end of last week, I, I I've lost all track of time. I did a blog of 101 things that you can do with your kiddos. I need I have so many resources that I need to add to it because people have been sending things to me, but it, I think we were up to 106 when I laugh, laugh, last left off, and I've got at least 30 more to add. But um, if you go to that list, and we've been featuring it on our um, Facebook page, um, there are a bunch of resources for kiddos because while you're waiting for them to get their ducks in a row for ABA and, and you know to do the IEP, you don't want to be wasting time right? And if the method that they're giving you, let's remember, I'm a former school teacher here. Let's remember that the teachers are, they had seven minutes notice that their classes were going to go online. And they're, uh, for a lot of them, they're having to shift their modality. And the first thing that they're going to do is shift it for um, the kiddos who, you know, don't need any extra support. This is the rude reality of our lives, right? And as parents, we need to be proactive and be doing other things. On that list, you'll find there are a bunch of things that you could be doing with your kiddo. But I want to head that off by saying if your child is nonverbal, that one of the best resources that I know of out there is a wonderful app that was put out by CARD that's called Camp Discovery. Now, this is not for kids who are older and verbal because it's really about building language skills, expressive and receptive language skills for language learners. But it's a free app. Um, it is something that you can, uh, set up on your child's Android or, um, iPad and have them working on that. There's also one of my other favorite resources, look up your local PBS, um, provider, uh, the public broadcasting system provider, because, uh, um, in each little pocket, they have really stepped it up. They're offering online curriculum that is in alignment with, your child's age, but they're doing it in a very PBS kind of Sesame Street, um, really user-friendly kind of way. And even if you, there are, you know, educational programs like Blue's Clues and things like that, that are great to engage our kids so that it's not just mindless watching television, it's educational program, but they specifically for PBS, um, they have different channels here in Los Angeles that if your child is ages, you know, uh, three to kindergarten, you watch one channel, um, and that each channel is showing just educational <laughs> programming, which is, is super fun. So, you know, I totally agree with Dr. Grampichet, call an IEP meeting, but don't wait for everything else. Get Camp Discovery um, and start with that, but then check out your PBS and check out the blog to see other things. Like one of the things I love, all these museums and zoos and places like that have put virtual field trips available. And you don't have to have the little virtual glasses to do it. You could, it's just more fun if you do. Um, but you can very quickly 
put together a thing and say, you know, today we're going on a field trip to, you know, the Beijing Zoo. I mean, places that you and I maybe never thought we would go with our kids, you can go to right now today uh, with great things to do. Have you seen Dr. Grampichet that one of the things they're doing at the zoos is that they're taking the animals out of their cages and allowing them to go through the zoo and visit the other animals? I just, I, oh I just am, I'm Amazing. loving the, the penguins' reactions to seeing the meerkats. I mean, just like puts me out. I just can't even. Oh, I haven't seen that. I haven't oh. seen that. How awesome. Or the elephants go getting to go and watch the giraffes. I mean, it just, I, I can't, I can't hardly stand it. The way nature is react, reacting to this emergency is a lesson for all of us. The fact that dolphins are now swimming through the canals in Venice um, and the swans have returned and the color of the water. And it's only been a couple of weeks. We, have, we, we need to be paying attention uh, to what the, yeah. the, the, the environment <clears throat> is telling us. But what a great, I know I digress, but what a great way for your kiddos to be able to experience things that you would not have had the time to do before. And you can do it all from your living room, which I absolutely love. Okay, the next question, what do you recommend for a high functioning teen during the COVID self quarantine? I know that there are a lot, I've been talking to some parents and, and you know, while there seems to be uh, a plethora of things for kids that are younger, the older parents are a little bit concerned because especially, uh, it seems like a lot of them are just like, well, that's great. I didn't like socializing anyway, so I'll just curl up in a cave. Uh, we had one parent the other day who said, uh, my kid thinks, that, my non-social kid thinks this is the greatest thing that ever happened. And I was like, great, I don't have to deal with all of that. So what do you recommend for these older kids, Dr. Grampiche? A lot of, a lot of different things, Shannon. What, first of all, um, <clears throat> you know, we, uh, there's a program at UCLA called Peers, and uh, they are, uh, they have several different age groups. Uh, one age group is adolescents or teens, and um, <clears throat> they, uh, several years ago, they provided us training uh, in the Peers model, and actually there's a manual for uh, adolescents, and I would say you have to be relatively high functioning to benefit from this, um, but they have not uh, discontinued. In fact, when they gave us their manual, we then wrote up a uh, telehealth version of it. And <clears throat> the funny thing is, Shannon, we didn't do that right now. We did that several years ago because, of course, we have sites all over the country, clinics, and we wanted to do this program with our teens who are in other parts of the country. So we then started to do this telehealth social program. It's, it's a peer-based social program. And it is awesome. And then recently, when this happened, the peers clinic at UCLA reached out to us and said, didn't you guys do this via telehealth? Can you send us your manual on how to do our program on telehealth? So we uh, sent it back to them and they are now using it as well. And to show you what a small world it is, uh, Shannon, as you know, my oldest daughter uh, got her master's at UCLA and she actually works at the Peers Clinic. And so part of what I see her doing at home is uh, running those groups online. And they're very cool. I would really recommend if you're a card family 
you should ask your supervisor about running a peers program. If you're not a card family, you might, might want to reach out to UCLA Peer Clinic and uh, enroll there. Uh, the programs are they uh, excellent. They have, just like we are doing right now, uh, they have social skills groups. And, uh, you know, all the individuals are basically on screen and there's moderators and facilitators and folks that are helping the communication. Now, on top of that, they also listed many, many online social uh, places. Um, and as long as you are a little cautious about it and you check those places out first yourself, there is a lot of social activity going online for high-functioning individuals, adolescents, on the spectrum. Uh, it's like, you know, a lot of the, there's games that are happening, but there's also just social um, places like coffee, ha coffee and socialize, or, uh, you know, let's talk about whatever our feelings at this time. And then there's a moderator who uh, assists with making sure that all the questions are answered, similar to this type of uh, thing that we're doing here, but with many more individuals on, on the screen. So, uh, Shannon, we do have a list of all of those social locations. I did send it to the clinical team at CARD, and uh, perhaps that's something that we want to share with our audience. Um, again, also on a lot, there's tons of activities for high functioning teens that could be done just on the social arena. Wonderful. I'd love to get that list and maybe we could do a part of a show just about that. Maybe either you or somebody else could, uh, you know, talk, present on that. I'd love to uh, include that because I, you know, you've talked before about the fact that the world of technology, like not only has the world changed, but, you know, in some cases it's changing in a way that's better for our kids' social lives. And this, you know, making sure taking advantage, which is I think our theme for this hour is that if we have to be doing this, let's take advantage, um, teaching our kids to be social online in this way, much the way that you and I are doing right now, might be easier for them than the doing face-to-face. -face. This could be a great step up to really help them to be able to do the social things. And um, so I, I think we should definitely um, talk more about that. Now, we did have somebody who wrote in a question on YouTube that I wanna make sure I get to. Can women with autism have ADD rather than ADHD? Um, and I sort of love this question because, um, you know, the H is the hyperactive thing. And I, <laughs> my friends would always say, you know, I don't, I'm not sure. Sometimes my attention span seems to be not what I would like it to be, but is that still a thing? And is it something that women on the spectrum are more likely to have, ADD? So there's no correlation with gender, um, with the ADD or ADHD diagnosis. Um, the diagnosis used to be called ADD and then it was changed to ADHD. But the real way that you diagnose this is uh, it actually divides into two, three types. Uh, uh, one is, uh, and they're all called ADHD, but there's three types. One of them is the uh, hyperactive type, and the other one is the impulsive type, and the third is the combined. So uh, you certainly can have ADHD 
without the hyperactivity portion. Uh, I think the reason that it's all called ADHD is because even if you are physically not hyperactive, your mind might be racing. But nevertheless, there's a series of symptoms. And you can even look this up online. You can look up the ADHD diagnostic criteria. And they're all listed there. And it tells you very specifically, you just answer yes or no, yes or no. And then it will tell you very specifically what type you have. Uh, whether it is the impulsive, the hyperactive, or both. Okay, and that's very helpful because I did not realize that. And I think, I think a lot of times people confuse that because um, we all get a little scattered, and especially during this emergency when there's been so much going on. I think a lot of people. I've been hearing a lot of people saying like, "Oh, it's very hard for me to concentrate right now." Um, And I think we should, you know, maybe spend a second talking about the fact that that is not something that, you know, in these difficult times, having difficulty concentrating does not qualify us for a diagnosis of ADHD. Am I correct? Yeah, that's true. I mean, I think what it is, Shannon, is that we're all uh, on hyper alert mode, right? We're all just adjusting to a whole new thing. And also, uh, we're all kind of very distractible simply because there's a lot to pay attention to. Like from day to day, it's not like, it's a new routine, right? When you go to a new location, new uh, office, new job, new environment, new school, whatever it is, you have to pay more attention to all the environmental criteria around you. So for example, all of us at home, we're adjusting to how to learn, how to work on Zoom everybody's just working online now. So you have to learn all those new things. You have to figure out all the environmental factors that will now make your new life function. So because of that, we're all focused on a million things we didn't have to worry about before. And so we are distractible. We're our, my, our, our, as I always say, my hard drive is full. So it's kind of like very hard to pay attention to everything and remember everything. Uh, because we're just like thinking about a million things at the same time that are all new. Uh, at the same time, when you have anxiety, uh, it just exacerbates everything, right? Because there's a there's you do your mind does race during anxiety, and we all have a heightened level of anxiety right now. There's a lot of discussion about the secondary effects of the uh, COVID nineteen. Um, which are already indicating an increase in anxiety disorders, increase in depression. Uh, You know, obviously, this is now going to also result in increased use of of some uh, medications that are necessary. I mean, things are, you know, it's the entire world. So uh, we're going to have different things going on. Um, and really, I think it's just everyone needs to kind of realize that it's not probably not the right time to be looking for a new diagnosis. If you didn't have symptoms like this before, uh, just wait a little bit. Things will settle down. I mean, you know, I'm looking at it and I don't know if I'm right or wrong, honestly, but I'm kind of uh, I have to give myself uh, goals and, and or, or just, you know, ends, I guess, to certain things. And I'm thinking of this as an eight week uh, sort of run and uh, us being in the second week right now. 
So really, uh, I, that kind of gives me a sense of calm a little bit because it at least gives me a, an end date where I hope that by that point, things will begin, at least begin to, to, to come back to normal. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, I should say at this point that, because um, we're running out of time here, but I, I want to make sure that I mention that on Friday, we're having Vince Redman on the show. He's a licensed marriage and family therapist, and he's going to be talking specifically about anxiety and things that right. we can all be doing to ratchet the anxiety down. And um, I know we, if you're a card family, we're doing PTA calls every afternoon at four o'clock Pacific time. And Vince was on yesterday and taught us all a breathing technique, which was really good. I'm going to make him do that for all of you on Friday. And it just, you know, it's one of those things we all, we talk on the show here about uh, mindfulness and we're going to be doing our mindfulness moment tomorrow, but you forget sometimes to breathe. And uh, so we're going to be practicing that every day. And uh, especially with Vince with us on Friday. Um, and I do want to and, say, uh, Shannon, uh, yes. Shannon, real quickly, if you have Vince on your show on the, on Friday, just know that Thursday is his birthday. I did not know that. All right. Well, we'll do a, a <laughs> shout out for him on tomorrow and on Friday. I should say that tomorrow on Thursday, we have two amazing guests here on Autism Live. One of them is a pediatric neurologist who's going to be talking specifically about how things that we should know about COVID and making us aware of that. And then we're also going to have Evelyn Kong, the clinical director of CARD, with us. Um, you can hear my dog barking. Someone's delivering something. I don't know what. Uh, that is that is my sweet dog who sounds vicious. Uh, but anyway, uh, that's going to be tomorrow. And Evelyn Kung will be here tomorrow answering questions. Uh, so that'll be really wonderful. And then again, on Friday, we'll have Vince Redman. And <laughs> can you hear my husband try to calm her down? I don't know what you could hear. That's okay. it, sounds, it sounds like a UPS man is being eaten alive. Uh, and it may not be. Uh, but anyway, we're also going to have Leah Hirschfeld back with us on Friday talking about research and things that are really helpful to us. And of course, Nancy Allspot Jackson will be joining us for that for Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy. Uh, but we are officially out of, out of time here. Dr. Grampichet, thank you so much for being such an amazing leader. And thank you for taking the time to be here. I know we're still working out this, this format um, and so I, I know it's a little frustrating for everybody. We're getting there. We're getting closer. Traven, Traven's almost got it. We're going to keep working until we have it. Um, but we're not going to go away in the meantime. We're going to be here in whatever capacity we can. So thank you, Dr. Grampiche. Thank, thank you. you to all of you. We'll be back tomorrow. Until then, give your kiddos a hug from me and one for you too. Bye-bye for now. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.